0: Bats, Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of the Fantasy Flex podcast. Dane Martinez and Samantha Praviti kind of taking the autopsy of last week and thinking what we need to do moving forward on the waiver wire to get you ready for week five and continuing hot streaks in fantasy. And, you know, it's almost... I don't know how I feel about this Samantha but we have to start with some injuries and from a purely callous standpoint we have to start with what happened on Thursday night football we know Tua Tagovailoa is out he's going to be out in my opinion for a while they're not going to let him back you know any earlier than he needs to be this time around but we have been talking about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle we've been talking about Waddle as someone who could potentially win you a league because he was drafted as say a wide receiver two or three and as performing as a top 5 overall wide receiver. My question for you Samantha, we've done it before when Dak Prescott went down. We've done it before when Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, assumed the San Francisco job from Trey Lance. Now, this Miami offense was really impressive in its first month, but now with the switch to Teddy Bridgewater, I personally don't think they're going to threaten the ball downfield as much And that's really where these speedy wide receivers, Hill and Waddle, got kind of their production. What do you see in the Miami skill players now that Tua is going to be down, we think, for a while this time?
1: Sure. It's absolutely brutal. I. Wish Tua the best and a speedy recovery. And I saw that he has already been rolled out for this week. So yes, to your point, they will probably play it pretty conservatively moving forward. Uh, it's it, it's a bummer for the skilled position players because Waddle and Hill are both top four receivers and half PBR on a per game basis, which has just been phenomenal for fantasy. We went into the season thinking that Hill was just going to kind of take over all of Waddle's production, and that obviously didn't happen. It was like looking like Tua could actually support two. Really fantasy relevant guys. Now, Hill ended up having a good day for fantasy in the end with uh Teddy Bridgewater taking over. So I'm less worried about him. I would say, like both of those guys, like I, I was gonna say going into this next week, if Tua had not gotten hurt, that they would be wide receiver one's rest of season, like locked in. And to your point, Waddle could have been a league winner based on where you drafted him. So I would say that Hill gets downgraded into that like low end wide receiver one tier and Waddle gets downgraded into that wide receiver two tier, which is a a big bump down. I mean, I, I will say Teddy Bridgewater is one of the better backup quarterbacks that exist out there so i mean i had to watch a lot of games with him being a panthers fan i don't i'm not Mm. saying he's excellent but he is serviceable as a backup so uh hopefully he can kind of keep them fantasy relevant for the next few weeks or however long it is out and yeah hopefully they can your fantasy teams if you have them can stay afloat
0: He is serviceable, right? And everybody uses words like that when talking about Teddy Bridgewater. He's got a great personality, if you know what I mean, but he's not necessarily going to threaten. And it actually makes me think we've talked previously on episodes, guys like Mike Gasicki, you know, could actually get more targets kind of down the seam, the security blanket of it all. They get the New York jets on the road, their first try with Teddy Bridgewater. We'll see if their offense remains as dynamic as it has been in weeks past. The other huge, huge injury samantha coming off this week is Broncos stud running back javante williams many people thought that he was really going to escalate this year to become like a rb1 we know melvin gordon is in that backfield and he's probably the nice easy pivot but samantha as you know there are hardly any teams this year that go at it with a quote-unquote workhorse running back so who else may be uh kind of important to note in the denver backfield
1: Sure. Yeah, that's absolutely brutal for the Broncos backfield. I know that the fantasy managers out there, this is like kind of where fantasy and real NFL kind of bifurcate because fantasy managers would rather see Javante Williams out there at hundred percent of snaps. And that wasn't, that already was not happening. So I think that the Broncos are definitely going to go in the direction of the Running back by committee, as you alluded to, especially with Melvin Gordon's sort of ball security issues. So Mike Boone would be next up on that depth chart. I think they need to add a, a an RB three probably before Thursday night. Um, I mm-hmm. believe Devine Ozigbo is on the Broncos practice squad, so they might be elevating him just for depth reasons. But I think it'll probably be between Gordon and Boone. Gordon was actually very productive for fantasy last season, to the dismay of Javante managers. So I think that he can be like an RB2 moving forward, but they're not going to give him all of the backfield. I just don't think that that's reasonable given how old he is and given sort of the, the struggles that he's had with fumbling recently.
0: So let me ask you, though, more on this, right? Because Melvin Gordon wasn't necessarily someone you were inserting in starting lineups on a week-to-week basis. Where does this push Melvin Gordon? Is he an RB2? Is he a flex play now that he kind of has first run at this backfield? Because the other thing, I mean, remember last week, we were doing patience or panic on Russell Wilson and this Denver Broncos offense, right? So it's nice that there's great opportunity potentially out there, but do am I really running to grab someone on an offense that's bottom 10 in the NFL?
1: Well, I wouldn't be necessarily running to grab Mike Boone. Uh, he's the only one that's going to be available because Melvin Gordon is rostered in pretty much sure. every league, probably uh, over eighty percent. Are you I'm starting gonna Gordon us. now, though?
0: More? Yes. Like, Gordon so, may have been a bench guy. Are you flexing Gordon? Is Gordon an RB two now? I
1: I would say that Gordon is an RB2 right now uh, just because of the opportunity, to your point. I mean, they do run the ball a lot. They've had struggles in the passing game, too. So, I mean, and they like to use Gordon on the goal line which is really key it's been frustrating for fantasy like I said but you know in 2021 when he was splitting carries with Javante he was the RB 21 and half PPR so he's definitely someone that can be productive he's not just like some guy that came out of nowhere he's just a little bit longer in the tooth so I'm not exactly super excited about him but I still think that because of the opportunity he will be an RB two
0: all right fair enough i'm gonna be very interested to see what the russell wilson rushing props are this week or the anytime touchdown for russell wilson to see if he gets part of the run game remember he was scrambling for his life for years up in the pacific northwest another injury that i think is important is corner patterson right this kind of slash player who had the fantasy community a buzz last year as a true running back was doing it again this year samantha for the atlanta falcons he goes down with a knee injury what are you Think happens here? This is another team. I got to be honest with you, Samantha. I can't figure out. I thought this was going to be a horrific team going into the season, and they're tied for first place after four weeks.
1: Yeah, I've been very surprised by the Falcons. Now, they are doing it in some of the not most conventional ways. Now, uh, Marcus Mariota completely got shut down after he threw that pick. And I think they called yeah. 14 consecutive rushing plays. So that's what's important here, too, because with Cordero Patterson leaving now, he wasn't exactly the archetypical rusher I mean he was really more of that hybrid running back wide receiver but I think that that'll open up opportunities for guys like Tyler Algier and uh, Caleb Huntley who were utilized really heavily in this game now I don't know if that was partly an artifact of like Miles Garrett being out too they're not having as much uh, depth sort of on the defensive line but I, I mean they, they've looked pretty impressive and they're they're both gonna get a lot more work now that Patterson is out. So uh, yeah, I would definitely put those guys kind of at the top of my priority.
0: All right, fair enough. I'm passing on these Falcons and it's still Samantha because I just, I don't believe. I don't believe in what I'm seeing from Atlanta and their next games, you know, at Tampa Bay at Cincinnati. I think kind of the clock will strike midnight on the Falcons and they'll be in different game scripts than they've been in for the first month of the season. And maybe they'll be playing a little bit differently, but we shall see to be sure. So those are some of the big time injuries. We also had guys like Danny Dimes get injured. Remember they're going to London next week. Traylon Burks, the rookie wide receiver on Tennessee. He got carted off as well, but Samantha It is time for us to bring back a segment we did last week. I think to great effect, we call it Patience or Panic. And I got to tell you, Samantha, Austin Eckler was probably listening to us here on the Fantasy Flex last week. You said be patient with him, and all he did in response was score not one, not two, but three touchdowns to get himself right back in the RB1 conversation after four weeks. So let's get into some more guys that I want to ask you about, Patience or Panic. I'm only going to say this one more time sir calm down I'm calm we will start Samantha with the wide receiver out of Carolina DJ Moore now you may have seen on social media last week the idea of if he was open or not and what being open in the NFL is uh aside from saying like Oklahoma where Baker Mayfield used to be but what do you think about DJ Moore still with Baker throwing him the ball
1: it's very frustrating because I have been a DJ more apologist for so long. And when the Panthers got Baker, I was like, oh, well, at least he'll finally have someone that can kind of throw it downfield. Well, apparently like Baker ranks 33rd in adjusted right. passer rating, according to PFF right now. And he's like leading the league in clean pocket throwaways. I mean, everything is just wrong right now. It's it's so bad. (laughs) So I mean DJ Moore is wide receiver 49 and a half PPR through four weeks, averaging just 7.4 points per game. So it's it's absolutely brutal. I don't know if there are just some some growing pains here. Uh, I don't know if Matt Rule is going to get fired after next game. I don't know if they're going to bring back Sam Darnold at some time. They did say that he's not ready quite yet with the high ankle sprain. So I will say – I'm exercising a little more patience for DJ Moore, but maybe it's just like, I just need to commit to it. I'm like, I'm I'm double down. I'm doubling down. I've just like, I've been supporting him for so long. I know that the talent's there. I just need Baker to be a little bit more (laughs) accurate and a little bit more patient. I feel like he's been running around so much and just scrambling and Mm -hmm. and he's gone back to some of those bad habits that I think we used to see from early Baker. So I'm hoping that, maybe he calms down a little bit and we'll see a little bit better, better fantasy
0: production for more. I got to tell you something. You referenced it before Samantha while he is, eligible to come off IR. Sam Darnold, they're saying, will still take a little bit more time. I would not be surprised, Samantha, if by the time you are eating your trick-or-treat candy, we do see Sam Darnold back under center for Carolina. I mean, Robbie Anderson loves him. It seems like DJ Moore was okay with him last year. I wouldn't be surprised if Sam I am does in fact get some starts and that changes the complexion of some of these Panthers wideouts. But I digress. We'll see what happens on that side one of the guys you've been talking about all year long samantha is atlanta falcons we've been just talking about the falcons their tight end kyle pitts now everyone thought he was really going into this season going to kind of ascend into that first tier with guys like waller and andrews and kittle and kelsey it hasn't been the case and this falcons offense like we said before is tough to figure out he's back in the doghouse are you panicking
1: I am panicking. I mean, I Now's told you that I was basically going to give him one more week. Then he had right. that good week. But if, right. if we had reversed these weeks, like, you know, I would have been in complete panic mode last week. It's because I didn't have the the whole like Kyle Pitts prayer circle going on on my whiteboard <laughs> or anything like that to free him. But yeah, I mean, he's the tight end 21 through four weeks, averaging just five points per game and half PBR. It's, it's it's I don't I don't know what to say. I mean, Arthur Smith doesn't care about your fantasy team. Clearly. I, I I think that he just has such little confidence in Marcus Mariota's throwing ability. And that's really, really worrisome. So I don't know if that means that we're going to see some Desmond Ritter soon. Mm -hmm. I mean, we already start, we already saw Kenny Pickett. These guys could be on shorter leashes than we think. Um, so, right now I'm, I'm in panic mode just because of what I've seen from Mariota. This is no time to panic. This is the perfect time to
0: panic. Yeah, that's fair. I will say this, though. They and Tampa are the only teams in that division with two victories though, right? So they're doing really bad, yet somehow they share first place, and I can't believe we're really thinking about picking up and inserting guys like Will Disley over Kyle Pitts, who you probably use like a fourth or fifth round draft pick on going into it. Another quarterback, we talked about Russell Wilson and other Last week. I got to ask you, you know, Aaron Rodgers likes to say R E L A X. He likes to, you know, get his ayahuasca from his shaman and <laughs> calm down. Should all of the Aaron Rodgers owners also calm down? I mean, Bailey Zappi almost beat him, completely kneecapping survivor pools left and right. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers and him kind of familiarizing himself with his new weapons? Are you panicking on the two time MVP?
1: Yeah. the, the- should have won this game by like two touchdowns at least the line was I think 10 and a half so uh, the fact that it was so close (laughs) for so long is is actually an indictment I think on on how bad the Packers are I don't think that that's some uh, some testament of how good Bailey Zappi is because I I don't want to go down that road Hmm. but uh, Aaron Rodgers is basically the guy that I thought he'd be like I was pretty low on him going into the season maybe he's even a little lower than what I thought like I was. I was thinking he was around that like QB 12, like right on the fringe, just because I was worried about what the complexion of this offense would look like without Devontae Adams, and they don't really have a standout wide receiver one, and I think that that's really impacted Rodgers. He's a guy that threw four interceptions all of last season. He's already got three this season, so that means he's on track for about 13 of them. I don't know if that's going to continue, but his accuracy issues have just like definitely impacted his fantasy production. He's just not throwing nearly as much, so I I'm 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 worried but not as worried because I didn't have super high expectations for him but it's still it's still worth mentioning because he's a guy that we've just been so accustomed to being so dominant in fantasy and the NFL for so long.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, the casual fantasy player, right, just goes on the name recognition of Aaron Rodgers. When you're like, oh, I can get Aaron Rodgers? Of course. But one of the things you said that I think is so important, going into this season, you, me, most people who knew thought that this Green Bay Packers team was going to be guided by their run games, Samantha, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, one of the best one-two combinations in the backfield in the entire NFL. And it felt to me even going into the season that that's what they wanted their identity to be. That's why they didn't care about, you know, bringing in other big time wide receivers. They had opportunities to, there were guys out there that they were kind of connected to, but instead I think they wanted their identity to be a run heavy team. Think about it when they're in the playoffs and land, Field, they're not going to be slinging it around. They're going to want to turn and hand the rock to Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And it sounds weird, but they too, they're three and one. You know, they had that big loss in week one but they have won every game so far it hasn't looked pretty but you know this is a game of outputs and they are three and one after four weeks i'm with you though i was i was nervous let's put it that way for my survivor pick for week four i gotta you know the field goal at the end of overtime means i survive and advance. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, rushing yards in a football number or points in basketball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends' contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group picks with the tap of a button, along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money on your mobile phone. Join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. Sleeper's terms of use for details. Let's turn our attention now, Samantha, to week five. Okay, like Bill Belichick would say, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to week five here. Let's look. You know, we've had injuries. We've had quarterbacks getting demoted and benched. Speaking of quarterbacks, where are you going on the waiver wire if you're dealing with injury or just straight underperformance?
1: Sure, there are a couple ways you can go I will say the whole waiver wire is pretty lean this week so mm. and that stinks given how many injuries there are out there but there's just like situations where there's not a good backup to the guy right. who was actually injured but. But uh, Kenny Pickett actually comes to mind. He was in my look-ahead waiver column because I just had this sneaking suspicion that Mitch Trubisky was going to get himself benched, and he did. Uh, He was awful through the first two quarters. I mean, did next to nothing on offense and uh, prompted them to hand over the reins to Pickett. He... I mean, I mean, the stat line doesn't tell the story because it shows zero touchdowns and three interceptions, mm-hmm. on, at least on the passing side. One of those was his first pass, and the, the other one was the last pass, which is on a Hail Mary. I, I don't know if that necessarily tells you that actually, like, Pickett really did inject life into this offense. They, I mean, they they ended up losing the game, but the, they at least had a chance with Pickett there. So I was actually pleasantly surprised. Pickett actually did pick up two um, – rushing touchdowns yeah so certainly that is something to keep an eye on for fantasy because that's I mean that gives you a really nice floor yeah. if he's just going to be running around a lot now the upcoming schedule not great at the Bills versus the bucks and then at the dolphins um so I think he's more of a longer term stash if you have a guy that you're not sure about right now like I have like Matt Stafford who I'm not like excited to roll out there every week and I might stash Kenny Pickett because he might end up being really fantasy viable there in 95% of leagues so he's probably someone that i think is the most exciting we talked about teddy bridgewater he's only two percent rostered not not a big surprise sure. there um but certainly could be an inexpensive and widely available option with the jets defense on tap we know Obviously the, the Dolphins have great weapons, so that should at least elevate his status a little bit. And like I said, he is one of the better backup quarterbacks. And then the other places I would look, maybe Ryan Tannehill. He's 17% rostered, again, serviceable. Like not, we're not finding any guys that are going to be immediate like Lamar Jacksons here, but he's like, you know, the QB 20 last this this past week and he's out there, He's he's okay. And he's got the commanders on deck. So like if you need someone for this upcoming week, The commander's defense looks terrible. So it's, uh, Ryan Tannehill might not be the worst option.
0: Can I ask you about one other quarterback who going into the season, kind of like I thought Atlanta was going to be laughable. There's another quarterback, another team I thought was going to be laughable. And he just keeps on getting it done. I'm talking about up in the Pacific Northwest, Samantha, Geno Smith and the Seattle offense. I saw them put up 40 some odd points. I see him statistically better than Russell Wilson in most categories so far. And I also believe that Seattle, despite what they've done, they're going to be in these kind of um, explosive games, sort of back and forth, maybe backdoor covers that do profile for quarterback getting production. We know he's got, good wide receivers in Lockett and DK Metcalf do you believe in Geno Smith
1: I sort of believe now I will say I think anyone playing this Lions defense is going to look pretty good and vice versa anyone playing the Seahawks right. defense is going to look pretty good as well so I I don't know if I want to put too too much stock in that scoregami game that happened but and the, the only reason that i would really shy away from him next week is he does have the saints on deck who have looked pretty mm-hmm. solid on defense so i would not necessarily go to him for a streamer for this week but i mean if he actually like turns out and looks good against the saints it, it, i mean he's got definitely a number of exploitable matchups on deck so i think that he's a, definitely a name to keep an eye on and if you want to add him i don't hate it at all
0: All right. And let me uh, what I'm saying is in certain two quarterback leagues, you can do worse than Geno Smith as your super flex, you know, so I know a lot of people kind of thought that he didn't belong as a starter that he was just kind of keeping the seat warm for whoever Seattle would draft like number one overall next year, but he's actually performed well he's outperformed. His uh, predecessor, Russell Wilson. Let's go to the running back position. We did talk a lot of injuries at the running back position. So there's a few different quote unquote next men up here. We talked about Mike Boone and others. Who are you prioritizing on the waiver wire this week at the running back position?
1: Sure. So we mentioned all the injuries to running backs. Tyler Algier is probably my top guy. He's a guy that I actually liked as a sleeper going into the season, just because the Falcons don't have a lot of running back depth. He's a rookie. He is 16% rostered and he saw 10 carries for 84 yards. Uh, Caleb Huntley saw 10 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown so I actually think that that might be end up being a committee type situation especially if their pass game is going to be that bad Uh, so I'm going to look at Algier probably first Boone I just I'm having trouble really getting excited about Boone right now just because I just don't know there's there's such a small sample size now they did utilize him heavily in this game once Siobhan Dante Williams went down because of Melvin Gordon's fumbling issues and I think that that was a little bit of like a punishment type thing I don't know if that's signs of things to come but Boone was used more like snap wise and touch wise after that point so um, I mean he he's definitely worth a bid I'm just not sure that I'm going to say oh yeah he's a he's a he's an RB three moving forward I'm not ready to go there with him yet. Um, But other guys that I'm also looking at, Isaiah Pacheco, back on the radar, because the Chiefs are in such a positive game script. And I think that if you can pretty much pick the games that you think will be in a positive game script, it will probably work out. I mean, I think that there will be a lot of those. Clyde Edwards-Elair was... Absolutely on fire with the first couple touchdowns on yeah. back-to-back drives, but then Pacheco was pretty heavily involved. 11 carries for 63 yards looked pretty good, too, in the process. So I think that he's going to carve out a role in this offense for himself, but at very minimum, he's a good uh, insurance policy to have if you have Clyde edwards helaire
0: yeah, fair enough. This, Samantha, is where this week I break out the good old saying, I'd rather have a sliver of a watermelon than half of a grape. I don't care about the B-side running back in the Denver Broncos offense. I don't care about the next man up in the Atlanta Falcons offense, right? Pacheco is a guy that does intrigue me, kind of as like the hammer. He he could have some kind of A.J. Dillon qualities about him as they are uplating games, bringing him in. Remember, CEH is injury-prone as well, although CEH, I believe is now RB4 in PPR leagues going in after his great performance. Yo, Mahomes to Hell Air for all you Fresh Prince uh, fans out there. And here's the other offense that I'd be interested in getting a share of at the running back position. Smith. Give me Kenneth Gainwell over in Philly. I mean, like I see him being utilized along in the backfield with Jalen Hurts. Miles Sanders is also someone who's injury prone. And if, you know, we fast forward four or five weeks and I have the starting running back for the Eagles or I have the starting running back for the Chiefs, I'd rather have that than have the kind of next man up in Atlanta or in Denver. I think Pacheco is a great call for you. And I would say, keep your eyes on Kenneth Gainwell. A lot of people thought it was gonna be Boston Scott going into the season. And Kenneth Gainwell has gotten that kind of opportunity. And I like this Philadelphia offense, which going into this week was number one in the NFL in terms of yards gain. So you kind of want to get down with the good offenses. Let's talk about the wide receiver position. Samantha, where are we going? We had some injuries. We had some underperformances. And in your column, we have some guys that are coming back from injury potentially that you may want to snap up now.
1: Sure. So one guy that I think is a standout in this column is Isaiah McKenzie. I love the Ar Isaiahs is in this but they're not spelled the same. That's what's annoying. I can never spell Isaiah correctly because there's like 8 million different spellings. Anyway, uh, he was also in the look ahead of waiver wire column, had another nice day for the Bills. Uh, you know, in spite of weather challenges, he caught four of six targets for 21 yards at a touchdown. That was his third touchdown of the season. He's the wide receiver, 25 and a half PPR with one game left to play. Now, the, his role could have been a little augmented because I think Gabe Davis was a little bit of a decoy in this game. Yeah given how little he was targeted. But I think that McKenzie should be rostered in more leagues because that wide receiver two spot still feels up for grabs. And Jamison Crowder did suffer a broken ankle, will be out indefinitely. So I think that McKenzie will definitely see some work. Now, do note he left the game in the concussion protocol. If he doesn't clear it, he may not play this week. So um, just something worth mentioning. But I really like him as a long-term value, like a type of guy that could evolve um, in – To your point about the offenses, I mean, it's a great offense. I would love to have more pieces of a Josh Allen-led offense. Um, Another guy that is really exciting is George Pickens. So he is someone that I had on my radar after he had that crazy acrobatic catch on Thursday night, the Odell Beckham-esque catch. Now, he hadn't put up a lot of production, but he actually did have a kind of breakout day uh, with Pickett taken over he had uh six catches for a team high 102 yards currently the wide receiver 18 heading into monday night um i think that he was a great pickup for the steelers uh they i mean they do have depth but not a ton of depth like i chase claypool doesn't feel like the answer to like their wide receiver two situation so i feel like pickens is just like a guy that they got at a really good value just given how banged up he was in. College, but you know, we, we talked about the Steelers schedule, so Pickens is more of like a longer term type guy. And then, um, a couple other guys that I will mention from the Lions, Josh Reynolds and Jameson Williams. So TJ Hawkinson completely blew us yeah. all away. He was a guy that we were worried about too. For well, fantasy, it helps but- to have
0: no DeAndre Swift, no sure, Sun God sure. on the roster, right? So targets had to go somewhere in a game where both teams got in the 40s,
1: yeah, sure. So if it it looks like Amon Ross St. Brown might be in jeopardy of missing more time. I mean, Josh Reynolds could definitely be on the radar. Even if Amon Ross comes back on me, they're so shallow. They had some guy named Tom Kennedy catching passes in this ba- in this um, resuming course. So it's it's pretty shallow out there. Williams is a totally se- separate story. He's now eligible to come off the NFI list. I don't know if that will happen immediately but he's a guy with right. four three speed that just like may have gone a little bit unnoticed because of just how stacked this wide receiver class has been we've had crazy performances from chris olave and garrett wilson and drake london but don't sleep on jameson williams because i think that he's a type of guy that could come out and make a really big impact especially with the lions likely trailing in a lot of games
0: Yeah, remember, I mean, Detroit still used the first-round draft pick on a wide receiver out of Alabama, and those wide receivers out of Alabama seem to be doing pretty well here in the big leagues. I also love the George Pickens call. And one other note on that, Samantha, if they go to pick it, that could mean more for Pickens. If you, and and the reason is this, they have actually more chemistry because they've been running with the twos the entire time in training camp, right? In practices, you know, if anything, Kenny Pickett is not getting reps with Claypool and Deontay Johnson, like you mentioned, he's getting more reps with Pickens. He's already probably got that back shoulder fade or kind of knows what routes he likes to run. So as Pittsburgh does kind of move over to Kenny Pickett, I would not be surprised if the Target share for George Pickens grows as well. The only other wide out I would um, include here, you did have it in your column, I believe, as well, is over in Dallas, we saw the return of Michael Gallup. And I know you have been talking about Noah Brown for a little while, but I actually think that Gallup coming back and Dak Prescott on the horizon coming back could resume Gallup being like the normal number two option in this passing offense. And I think that's something I would want some shares of. I know you've talked about Noah Brown in the past. What do you think about it now that Gallup is also back in the fold?
1: Sure, so Gallup would definitely be my preferred one of him and Brown. He's 41% rostered, so he's a little bit less available than Brown is, which makes sense. Now, I just think it's great that they have receivers that are talented that are on the field right now. I mean, like this is taking some pressure off of C D Lamb, which is really helping sure. him, I think. And Gallup is a guy that we've seen do it in the past. Like he has been productive. He has a chemistry with Dak Prescott. So I I went into the the season thinking that Gallup was going to be the wide receiver too. He ended up being banged up, not ready for week one. But with him coming back, I mean he immediately made an impact, caught a touchdown. So I, I certainly think that he could easily take over that wide receiver two position. Noah Brown ends up being more of the like boomer bust type guy, but I still think that there will be targets to go around, especially if Dalton Schultz remains kind of like a little banged up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And remember, maybe the biggest piece of all of that is that Dak Prescott could be targeting next week for a return as well, although they are 0-1 with Dak and undefeated, I think, with Cooper Rush so far. I know, and I I was
1: I was just on San Antonio radio and they were okay. asking me if I thought that, you know, it oh was going to be a QB. No. Com- yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> they were no. asking me if, they, if I thought it was going to be a QB competition. And I was like, are you for real? And I actually saw a couple things on Twitter from Cowboys fans, like really? already, already giving up on Dak and saying he can't hit the broadside of the Barn or whatever. Like, and I'm, and I'm like, guys, 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 so that was one game against a really good defense so Mm -hmm. I I don't I'm certainly not uh you know fading Dak Prescott quite yet.
0: (laughs) yeah we'll put that in our patience or (laughs) panic segment maybe later on in the season but I'm with you there's a reason that Dak is QB1 in Dallas and he probably will assume that role again as soon as he is healthy to do so what about the tight end position Samantha you know you're talking about Kyle Pitts was on parole got back you know shoved into the slammer for bad behavior whatever it was who are some tight ends out there that are you know kind of on your radar I know you talked about Tyler Conklin last week and he's still out there in over half of leagues
1: yes so I did like Tyler Conklin last week the Jets really were frustrating in this game I, I I said on convince me that I thought that Zach Wilson was at best neutral for this passing game just because of how much Flacco had been throwing the ball and I was like that's not sustainable for the Jets I don't think that that's how Wilson is going to operate now. And Garrett Wilson, as a result, was a complete dud in this game, so it was very frustrating. Tyler Conklin, I was encouraged by because even though he didn't have his best game, no, this was t- actually his worst game. He caught three of five targets for 52 yards. Um, I, I mean, that's certainly not terrible. For that being his he, worst game, exactly. That's his
0: low exactly. mark. Bark, you know, and that's not bad in this kind of wasteland of tight end. Absolutely,
1: I mean, like Pitts' managers got one catch for 25 <laughs> yards, so like, I, I, it's it's not it's not a great landscape for tight end. That being said, I do like Conklin that he's still getting the looks. We talked about it as him being a potential sort of security blanket. So I, I like him still moving forward. He's 42% rostered, so go pick him up if you are lean at tight end. Caden Hurst, um, he looked pretty good on Thursday Night Football. I've been singing his praises for a while. I've just been high on him because he's a former first-rounder that lost his job to Mark Andrews. Like I I think that he's still highly talented. Uh, He's got the Ravens on deck who have been giving up a lot of points. Uh, I don't think last week was necessarily indicative just because there was so much weather going on there. But uh, the Ravens have definitely been exploitable against the past. Though Hurst could definitely be addable. Uh, Will Disley, he just keeps scoring touchdowns. And I don't know if this is a sustainable thing, but he's found the end zone three times this season. It's 3% rostered. I mean, like he's the tight end seven for the week, tight end nine for the season. Currently outscoring Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, Dawson Knox, Mike Gasicki, Darren Waller, Dalton Schultz, and Cole commit on a per game basis. Like those, all those guys were actually drafted. This is a guy that's like way out there on the waivers in the deepest leaks right now so you can definitely pick him up I mean he's he's not getting a ton of targets but he's being very productive with them he's caught all 12 of his targets this year for 116 yards and three touchdowns so with the Seahawks offense looking a little feistier than I thought they would I mean it's it's certainly possible that Disley ends up being a top 12 tight end at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, which is absolutely crazy. I think that's also kind of dovetails with what I was talking about with Geno Smith a little bit earlier on in the show. A couple of other tight ends. You've been talking about Hayden Hurst all season long. I've been talking about Robert Chop and Tunyans in Green Bay all season long, and he caught a touchdown pass on Sunday as well. As you even begin to not have confidence in these guys on the outside on Green Bay, the one familiar target that Rodgers can trust, especially in the red zone, is Robert Tunyon. He got into the end zone and then of course big shout out to our producer David I mean he obviously knew to start Taysom Hill this week as soon as he heard that it was Andy Dalton and no Kamara I guarantee you that you know top of the morning the London game he inserted Taysom Hill and let me ask you if there's no Kamara if there's no Jameis I mean any game that the Red Rifle is starting for New Orleans we're going to see some snaps of Taysom Hill are you back on the Taysom Hill train Samantha?
1: Yeah, I mean, he is a little bit more than just a novelty, especially when Jameis is out. So right. if we have another perfect storm of that where Jameis is out and Kamara misses the game, then he's definitely a viable tight end one. He gets a little riskier if Kamara is back on the field because he takes snaps out of the running back position. So he's out there in more than like two-thirds of leagues. So uh, you can definitely grab him if you're leaning at the position. There's just like a lot of guys. Like there's like maybe a couple of guys that you trust like – Travis Kelsey is looking like the best draft pick that you could have made all season. Um, But after a certain, you know, point it's, Mm -hmm. it's pretty lean. So it's basically, you got to go off of, you like the offense, you like the opportunities, et cetera
0: yeah for sure we've been talking about this for a while that outside of the top tier at tight end you know getting consistent targets consistent receptions is very hard i really think that outside once you get past like say tight end six they're almost touchdown dependent and on any given week if they get into the end zone is anybody's guess well remember here on fantasy flex you could also give your questions to samantha and her mailbag just hit us up mailbag at actionnetwork.com if we have some great ones we'll get them in here on the show samantha will certainly answer some of those on social media as well and and Samantha honestly we're like a third of the regular season through right most most fantasy leagues I'm talking like 12 13 weeks and then we're on to the playoffs and four of them are now done like what are your words for someone who's like still one in three but maybe has like the fifth highest points in their league we're not panicking just yet right
1: Oh, hang in there for sure. I mean, I I have not even given up on some of my leagues that are terrible quite yet. Um, even if you're 0 and four, I've started seasons 0 and five in the past and like still won the league. So, all you have to think about is getting into the playoffs, and then it's any given Sunday at that point to me. So, uh, really, like there's there's just bad luck sometimes. Uh, some leagues have like some built-in things to mitigate the luck factor. I know that you showed me your league where like you get two sort of two matches yeah yeah where you go against like is it the league median or something like that Yeah,
0: i've seen this a few different ways and i really do think this is smart you know great thanks for bringing it up samantha uh where you could play against your opponent and you could play against the league average or the league median i also like and this I've done a lot of leagues ever since the NFL changed to the 17-game schedule, okay, is I like um, all play weeks. Write your commissioner a letter here, okay? (laughs) I think the best possible format is when you play every other team once and exactly once. So you don't have that kind of schedule imbalance and you're playing like two or three teams multiple times. That really skews it. I like an all play week where if you're in a 12-team league, the top six scores get a win and the bottom six scores get a loss. If you're in a 14-team league, kudos to you because because you maybe will have to listen to us and be on the waiver wire a little Mm -hmm. bit more, but then the top seven get a win. It kind of mitigates that thing that some people say every week. Oh, I put up the third highest point total in my league and I get a loss. You know, we want to actually have the cream rise to the top. And there's a lot of different formats for that. To be quite honest, if you want to know more about that, Hit us up on the mailbag and we will be sure to answer those questions or at least advocate to your league commissioner for sure. But that's another episode of the Fantasy Flex. And like Samantha says, don't give up on your teams because if anything, that'll be us losing listenership. And we don't want that. We want you to stay with the Fantasy Flex because we will give you the diamonds in the rough off the waiver wire to improve your standing. So for Samantha Praviti, I am Dane Martinez. This is another episode of fantasy flex go out and get those winners on the waiver wire and we'll be back next week